All right, Psalm 19 this morning, the 19th Psalm. Uh, I was, I have been out walking, as a lot of you know, I walk um, a lot along the canal. I've been talking to people. I've had some great chances to share things with people this week. And among one of the conversations I had this week was a young guy and his baby daughter. Um, they were feeding the ducks, and Jasper stole part of the bread they were feeding to the ducks. And I got chatting with him, and um, he kind of caught me off guard. I had just had a wonderful chance to talk to a mother and daughter, um, just generally about things, about the way things were going. And and that um, was a, that would been a blessing. So came around, came down to the end of the now, came back, and talked about how nice the weather was that day. And he actually said, I mean, not like I've heard sometimes, it seems like somebody's trying to tell us something. He said, it seemed like God might be trying to tell us something um, because the day was magnificent. It's one of those days, unless you've been to Ireland in the spring, um, it's hard to grasp the kind of day it was. It was absolutely, um, it was just beautiful. And so we... uh, we chatted for a bit, and he said, it sounds, seems like God might be trying to tell us something, and we chatted and got to thinking, and then I tried to another chap later in the week, and um, the same type of topic came up with the weather being great, and we were, I started talking about the Lord and how God does things, and uh, he said something about how, how nature might have been restoring herself, and I used the phrase, well, it seems like God might have hit the reset button. And, you know, Psalm 19 talks about that. Days like we saw in Ireland this week are a great reminder of Psalm 19. Because Psalm 19 talks about the vital truth that God created everything. I'm not sure exactly where we're going to go this morning. Exactly how we're going to um, cover this thing. Exactly what's going to happen. But we'll see how the, we'll see what happens as we go through the passage. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you. And then the psalm is broken into two parts. <clears throat> but listen as I read. If you have your Bible, please read along. These are These are some of the most... Beautiful words in all of Scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 19, starting in verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night shows reveals knowledge. There is no speech, and there is no language where their voice is not heard. Their line or their, their image has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world... In them he has to set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Then the second part starts in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Um, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all to be all together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. Um, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. We pray that you might bless um, the teaching of your word this morning. 
Help us to be uh, attuned to it, Lord. Some great, great truths. Two basic great truths in this passage. Speak to our hearts through them, Lord. Meet the needs of folks who are out there. Pray for all these folks who are out in isolation and maybe battling loneliness. And um, Lord, give us strength to endure and get through what we're going through now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Psalm 19, it talks about the revelation of God, how God reveals himself to man. And if in, if I were teaching a Bible doctrines class or I were teaching a theology class, we will talk about those two ways that God reveals himself to man. In verses 1 through 6, there is a general revelation of God to man. In verse 7 through 14, there is what we call um, a... Um, I've lost <laughs> a specific revelation of God to man, how God reveals himself to us clearly. General revelation is just out there. And then we have God's revelation through his word, which is where we where the, the other part, picked, where we pick up from the first part. And that's what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1 begins with a wonderful word, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Begin look at these things. If you've ever done any looking at science or looking at space and looking at the stars and watching an eclipse or or watching just the world in general, I mean, watch what's going on, and it's obvious that the heavens declare the glory of God. The stars sing out to God's God's glory. Um, the heavens are out there. And they go on for infinity. We can't even number the stars that are out there. And, and, they, and, and the, the, the Hubble telescope is showing us all kinds of miraculous, wonderful images from outer space. And as I look at those things, and it's just, they're beautiful. They're fantastic. And we wonder, why are they there? Why, why would all those magnificent, um, the different types of, of solar systems and the different types of, uh, of activities going on, and why? And I think the reason is because the more we look out there, the more we see the glory of God being revealed by his creation. God's revelation in chapter Romans chapter 1 says is that, tells us in Romans chapter 1 that God's revelation gives takes away all excuse for believing in him. That's why creation is such an important part of what we teach, because the heavens declare that God is at work. From the finest details of the sub-molecular particles in an atom to the vast expanses of space, the heavens declare the glory of God. It doesn't take much to see God's glory in the sky. And then it says, the next phrase says, um, And the firmament, the earth, the world where we live, shows his handiwork. Anybody who drives any place, and I'm I'm a bit biased because I live here in Ireland, it's so obvious to see the handiwork of God in creation. We look, we look, we, we, we drive, I love driving to Glendalock, and many of you know that drive, and you know the you know what Glendalock is like magnificent place and every time I drive over the Wicklow Gap I'm amazed at the glory of God I'm amazed at God's creation it's all around us it doesn't take much to see that and and that's what people have been reflecting on one of the one of the fellows I talked to this week was talking about since there's less traffic and it's happening all over the world is that the skies are clearer and and I I've heard that I've never been to Venice but I understand the canals of Venice are, are terribly polluted, but now the waters in the Venetian canals are clear. Uh, our canal waters are spotless. Um, 
the sky is clear. There's no jet trails flying over. Uh, there's just a freshness about the place. And, and that has been causing people to revel in God's creation. Like the one guy said, I think God is trying to tell us something by giving us days like this, by reminding him, by reminding us that during this time of trouble, that God is still there. And God is still showing his work. And God is still, still revealing himself to us. Verse 3 through 6 go on to say, just a series of phrases there. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Every place we go in the world makes no difference who the people are, what language they speak. God is always reflected in his wonderful creation. It's universal. Day after day and night after night, we see God doing a great work. Um, uh, the creation brings a great joy down in verse 5. It's, and it's like, here, look, look at the pictures he uses um, for talk about the joy that's revealed. It's like, first of all, it, it says it, it rejoices. It talks about one of the examples of the rejoicing is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It's like the, uh, a, a young couple who's just been married rejoicing in the blessings of their marriage. And, and, and it's, 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 it's full joy. It's like, it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It's like a strong man who's running a race. Um, magnificent stuff. That's what creation does. It's rising, goes from one end of the world to the other. And this is exactly why there is such an agenda against the concept of um, creation. Because if we take creation out of the picture, it, it takes God out of the picture. I, I, I wish... I, I, um, I'm not going to go through the whole picture, but if you like literature, I'd recommend that you read um, Robinson Crusoe. Um, there's a wonderful passage in there where Caruso actually gets saved. And the first thing that causes him to get saved is when he, um, he shipwrecks, he gets ill, um, he gets very, very ill, he thinks he's going to die. And he says things like, what is this earth and sea of which I have seen so much? Where is it produced? And what am I and all other creatures, wild and tame, human and brutal? Where, whence are they? Where are they from? We're all made by some secret power who formed the earth and the sea, the air and the sky. Then he says, it follows most naturally, it is God who's made these things. Um, But then it came upon strangely, if God has made these things, he guides them and governs them. He keeps the world going. For the power that could make all things most certainly have power to guide and direct them. If so, nothing can happen in the great circuit of his works and without his knowledge and his... um, and his appointment, and the and Crusoe goes on and on, and we see the reasoning, his thought, to that helps him to come to the to, to the true belief that God is the power. So God, to Robinson Crusoe, um, revealed Himself through creation, and that was the general revelation of God to man. And Crusoe, the uh, Robinson Crusoe says that the, right before in his diary, he says, "I was struck dumb with these reflections, as and, and, and as one who was astonished. I didn't have anything to say. I couldn't answer myself. I rose up. I was pensive and thoughtful and sad. And I walked back to my retreat and went and I went up over my wall. I was ready. I'd been like I was going to bed, but my thoughts were sadly disturbed. I had no inclination to sleep as I sat down on my chair, lighted my lamp." And it began to be dark. And so Robinson Crusoe says all this, my mind was troubled. I couldn't put two and two together. So then we switch to God's special revelation, starting in verse 10. And 
the psalmist writes several things about God's word. And then we're going to see how, how that affects Crusoe as well. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. The testimony is sure. It makes wise the simple. His statutes are right. They rejoice the heart. Um, the commandments are pure and they enlighten the eyes. Uh, the fear of the Lord is clear, is clean. It endures forever. And his judgments are true and righteous. Several little aspects there of, of what God's word, what God's word does. First of all, it's perfect. It's complete. It's the word of God that takes the creation that we see and allows us to apply it to our hearts. That alone is what can bring salvation. God's testimony is sure. That's what takes, what gives us wisdom to understand the world. We look out there and we see creation and we see things, but it's not complete because it's, it's there. And, and if we, if that's where we stop, that's where religion comes from. That's why people all through history have had this God and that God and all these kind of strange things going on and been all kinds of just, I, almost befuddling thing that the people try to come up with because they don't get it. It says his statutes are right. God's law, when we have God's word in our heart, it causes us to rejoice. And it's that kind of joy that gets us through the struggles that we're going on through today. When creation is groaning as it is, and we look forward to a new creation, God's word allows us to rejoice and it causes our heart to lift, be lifted up and it rejoices our heart. I want to stop for just a minute at the next phrase. The next little phrase here, it says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That that concept there, that word pure, is better um, defined by the word, the, the, um, the, I'm sorry, uh, the, command, yeah, the commandment of the Lord, God's law, is clear. That's what that word pure means. It's like a clear, uh, kind of like the waters on the canal right now, or the canal in Venice. God's commandment is clear. It's not confusing. It's not befuddling. God wants us to understand His Word. God wants us to be tuned into His Word. And if we'll do that, God is not trying to confuse us through His Word. I mean, sometimes we look at the Word of God and it seems mind-boggling. And people say, well, you can't understand it yourself. God's Word is clear, though. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not ambiguous. Um... It's there, and it's there for us, and God's Word is clear and precise. And yet we try to take God's Word and complicate it. You say, well, Roger, there are things I don't understand. And I'll admit to you, there are things that I don't understand either. There are things that still, I, I look at God's Word, and there are things that I still wonder about, and I and I say, what, what's going on? How can this be? And, and, you know, what does this mean? And I don't understand this verse. I don't understand that verse. I don't understand this bit of eschatology or the future. I don't understand all those Old Testament laws. And they're all there, but you know, the problem is not a lack of clarity. It's a lack of our instruction. Or maybe a lack of understanding or a lack of prayer or a lack of looking to God because God proclaims His Word is clear. God's Word gives us everything we need for salvation and it gives us everything that we need for living. So the passage said the um, commandment of the Lord is clear and enlightens the eyes. The next thing God's Word does is it gives light. The psalmist wrote, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my paths. God's Word gives us light in this dark, dark world. One of the things I've talked to people quite a bit this week, about at least five or six times I've talked to people about this topic, is the fact that um, the world is broken. And nobody I've talked to has any problem with that. They realize that we live in a broken down world. And the cause for that broken down world 
is the fact that Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, one of the guys I talked to this week was we talked about Adam and Eve, and, and I he said, you know, I, we're and then I, I told him, I said, you know, the world was broken, but you know, God had two choices. God could have just wiped them out and hit the reset button and gone on his way, or God could have provided a way of salvation for all mankind. And he went on about, well, just God could have just done another couple. And we got talking about how um, this broken world needs a plan, but God had a plan for the very beginning. God's plan was to send the light of the world, Jesus Christ, into the world. John chapter 1 talks about God sent the light, but the world didn't like the light. The world, the world refused the light. The word of God is what gives us the light to understand darkness. I don't understand every aspect of what's going on. My wife would tell you, I'm confused. I don't understand why things are happening the way they're going. But the word of God will give us light to guide us through that darkness. It doesn't say it's going to dispel the darkness. It doesn't say it's going to cancel the darkness. But the word of God will give us the light to get through these dark days. It enlightens, the Bible says, it enlightens our eyes. It goes on to say the fear of the Lord, understanding God, is clean. And that, that, that word fear, is we don't use it that much today. It's the awe of God. Understanding who God is is clean, it's right, it's, and, and it endures forever. So God is doing something. Whether we get it or not, God is at work in this situation. Um, and the Word of God is the only thing that can properly guide us through these days. That's why for the next few weeks, God willing, we're going to be looking at the Psalms, several Psalms. I'm not sure what order. I don't know when I'm going to do them. They may not be numerically in order. Um, But God's Word is the thing we need to guide us through each day. And I can't tell you how many times since the middle of March that I've had to turn back to God's Word for encouragement. That's why I do devotion, the little devotional thought daily to help us see what God is doing here and how to get through all this mess. Because the Word of God is... Um, the Word of God guides us through this. God's, God's, God's Word is clear. His words are pure. God gives us the light to shine in darkness. And that's how we come up with the phrase that we practically shake, sh- wash our hands, but we also practically shine the light. And the light that God gives us through His Word, He challenges us, Jesus challenged us, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God Jesus came out as a as a child of light, as as the light going to the world. Later on, Jesus says that we are the lights of the world. We have the light of God in us, and we have the light to carry out into the darkness of the world. And we, as God's people, ought to be rejoicing at the opportunities we have. The darker the world gets, the more our light means to the world around us. God's word gives light, and we need to be living out God's word as we go into the world. Lighting people up. As we see people, see people, we meet people, and I hope we're all looking for every opportunity during this time because people are searching. They're looking, what is this all about? How can I see God at work in this? What, what is God doing? And, and I've been shocked. I've talked to dozens of people and not a single person yet has blamed God for what's going on. They think God's trying to get a hold, get, get our attention. And we have the answer. It's a, we, you and me, you, we, we, we Christians, we have the answer to guiding people through the darkness. So yeah, we, we, we do our bit. We do the socially distant stuff. We wash our hands. We, we do all the right things. But at the same time, we keep our light shining. 
Because God's Word is clear. God's Word is life-giving. And then we can delight in God's Word every day. We don't need to be in despair. I don't know how everybody's spending these days of isolation. I realize some of you are going to work and some of you are working from home. But we come down to verse 10. And verse 10 tells us what to do with God's Word. More to be desired are God's Word than gold. Yes, more than much fine gold. How much are we treasuring God's Word in these troublesome days? Is it on your heart? Is it on your mind? Do you even think about picking up God's Word? Do you think about listening to godly music? Do you think about letting God's Word speak to your heart? We ought to be desired more than gold and, and more than much fine gold. Then it says, he goes on to use some word metaphors and, and um, it's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. God's Word is precious. It feeds us. We ought to be desiring God's Word every day. It ought to be impossible for us to go through a day without getting into God's Word and letting God speak to us through His Word. It's God's Word that's going to carry us. We look outside, we see the creation, we see what God did, and that's the wonderful general revelation of God. But His special revelation was given to us in His Word. They delight in gold. Uh, we, we, we mean, then we desire, we delight. If I, I mean, I would love to have some gold, but we, we delight in God's word more than in gold. Do we delight in God's word that way? <clears throat> I, want to, I want you to, I want to go back to Robinson Crusoe, Robinson Crusoe just for a second. Then we're going to apply God's word and then be done here. Um, when Crusoe realized this, he, um, he realized when he was looking for God, he realized that in the captain's chest, on the shipwrecked, on the shipwreck, there he had seen a Bible. So he made his way out. He had his raft. He made his way out to the boat. He went down. He found the captain's chest. Um, he wrote this: "I opened the chest and found what I looked for. I found the tobacco and a few books I had that I'd seen that he had that he had saved there. I took out one of the Bibles which I mentioned before, in which to this time I had not found leisure nor inclination to look into. Until he realized God's creation, he had no interest in the Word of God." I say I took it out and brought both that and the tobacco with me back to the table. Not approving his use of tobacco, but that's what he said he did. In the interview, in the interval of this operation, I took up the Bible and I began to read. But my head was too much disturbed with the tobacco, there you go, to bear reading, at least at that time. At that time, only having opened the book casually, the first words that occurred to me were call on me. In the day of trouble, and I'll deliver thee, deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And the end result of that was that Robinson Crusoe got saved. He read the words and said, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you. How much does that fit today? Crusoe was all alone, abandoned on that island. And yet he said, In the day of my trouble, he picked up his Bible. He'd seen God's revelation. Now he had the word of God. He opened it up, and God said to him, Call on me in the day of trouble. And I'll deliver you. Guys, we don't have to be stuck in the morass of this problem. We don't have to be downtrodden. Because God gives us his word. And God says, you call on me, I'll deliver you. We've seen this several times over the last few weeks. How God says he'll give us the grace and the power to rise above all these difficulties and all the challenges. And thank God for a God who's going to do that. And then verse 11, 11 through 14. And we're done here. Um, we have man's response to that. Verse 11, moreover, by them, by the Bible, by God's word, this, we are warned. 
we have the clear warning of God's word. God's word tells us that the only way to have our eternity to secure is to admit our sin and to put our faith in Christ. We're warned. And if we keep God's word, there's great reward. For one thing, there's salvation. For the other thing, there's peace and comfort to get us through each day. Man, over and over again. And I'm just like, I'm no better than the rest of you. I look around, I see all the stuff going on, and it's God's word that I go back to over and over again. That's why some of my some of the church friends and all are being inundated by scripture that I'm putting out there every day. Doing the daily devotions, doing the words of wisdom from the, the Proverbs, as somebody suggested to me, because God's word is what we need to get through this. We don't need RTE. We don't need BBC or CNN or Fox News or, or any of those those folks who are out there just trying to make money off the situation. God's word is where we go to for the for the answer. In keeping of God's word, there is great reward. It gives us great benefit to be desired. To be desired it goes on to say that God's word can cleanse us from secret fault. How many of us, especially these times alone, are have things in our heart that we know we should be dealing with? God says He'll cleanse us from those secret faults. It says He'll pr- protect us from sin. Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant from these presumptuous sins. And presumptuous sins are the ones we just do without thinking about and don't think they're that bad. God's word will cleanse us during these days. God's word will give us victory over the sins that we just think we can't get, can't, can't get rid of. The end of verse 13 says, Don't let those sins have dominion over me. Easter Sunday, I guess that was last week, we preached on from Romans chapter 6 about how sin has no power over us. Unless we let it, and as David looked at the, as he looked, as he looked at creation, as he looked at, the, he's out as a shepherd looking at the stars and the sky and all the marvels of creation. As he looked at the beautiful hills and the valleys, he saw that God was really there. And then he saw God's word to show that God wants us to know Him. And he, and then he saw the power of God to work in his life. And man's prayer, and then he said, "Then so he wrote this, keep me back from presumptuous sins. He said, then I'll be blameless, and I'll be innocent of the great transgression. The only way to have our sins forgiven, the only way to get through life and to have these sins dealt with in our life is by looking to God's word and praying for his help, and, and, and then we can be blameless, and then we can have the great transgression. Um, that ought to be our constant prayer, that God ought to be, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's pray always. Let's pray during this time when things can be so difficult. Let's pray that the God would let the words of our mouths, God would let the meditation and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in His sight. Is that your prayer and my prayer every day as we get, as we as we get up and say, "Oh well, another day," blah blah blah? Are we praying that God will let the words of our mouth be acceptable in our sight? Then he says, O Lord, you're my strength and you're my redeemer. That word redeemer changes everything. We're redeemed from sin. We're redeemed from the old life. God has set us free from the, from the, from the, um, from the slavery of sin so we can serve him. I'm going to go back to, to Crusoe one more time um, and apply his, his salvation as a result of seeing God's general revelation and seeing God's special revelation. Uh, 29th of June but before I lay down I did what I never had done in all my life 
I kneeled down and I prayed to God to fulfill the promise to me that if I called on him in the day of trouble, he'd deliver me. 3rd of July. While I was thus gathering strength, my thoughts ran exceedingly upon the scriptures. I will deliver thee. And the impossibility of my deliverance lay much upon my mind in bar of my ever expecting it. But as I was discouraging myself with such thoughts, it occurred to my mind that I poured so much upon my deliverance from the main affliction that I disregarded the deliverance I'd received. He could, he'd, he'd ask God to forgive him, but he couldn't believe it. He said, oh, he was so concerned with all the stuff around him that he couldn't believe that God had delivered him. I were, I, and, I, and he writes, and I, and I was, as it were, made to ask myself such questions as these. Have I not been delivered? And wonderfully too, from sickness, from the most distressed condition that could be. And that was so much frightful to me. And what notice had I taken of it? Had I done my part? God had delivered me, but I had not glorified Him. That is to say, I had not owned and been thankful to that for such a deliverance. And how could I expect greater deliverance? This touched my heart. Very much. And immediately I knelt down and gave God thanks aloud for my recovery from sickness. Robinson Crusoe got it figured out. He'd seen God's work. He'd seen God's word. And now he had seen God's salvation. Folks, that is our ultimate purpose here. Is to see God at work. To apply his word and treasure it. And to watch God's salvation and depending on him. Fourth of July. All these things have not brought thee to repentance, ran seriously through my thoughts. I was earnestly begging of God to give me repentance when it happened providentially. The very day that, reading the scripture, I came to these words, He has exalted a prince and a savior to give repentance and to give remission. I threw down the book, and with all my heart as well as all my hands, lifted up to heaven. In a kind of ecstasy of joy, I cried aloud and said, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou exalted prince and savior, give me repentance. And then Crusoe spends the rest of the book growing in Christ, being a witness to a, to a native sailor he meets on the island. What are we doing, guys? Crusoe could have, could have lapped into misery. I could sit here and talk about how Crusoe spent so much of the time on the island, feeling, a, having a pity party, feeling sorry for himself. My friends are gone. This is gone. I can't get this food. But he changed his whole attitude and he began to realize he had something nobody else had at least on that island he had something that greater than anything else he had he had salvation in Jesus Christ and he learned to be content and as you read the book and I would recommend hardly reading the book don't read a new revised version of it read the original text of Robinson Crusoe if you'll stick with it man it'll change you we're kind of shipwrecked like him aren't we we can't do much at least we can still get food, but in God provides that. But Crusoe learned when he saw the God of nature, when he saw the God of his word, and when he repented of his sin and turned to God, he found great rejoicing no matter what her circumstance. And that's the kind of salvation, that's the, that's the kind of thing that we can see today and rejoice in today. Look at the God of creation, look to the God of his word. Rejoice in Him and strive to live for Him in redemption and repentance. All right. Do we have any prayer requests come in? No.
right, I'm going to pray. We have several things on our prayer list. Those who are in their WhatsApp group have seen the prayer list. Everybody is invited to join us at 7.30 Wednesday night. Um, on the church page, there will be an invitation to a Zoom a prayer room. And um, we'll put that in our WhatsApp app. WhatsApp. So plan to be with us 7.30 Irish time on Wednesday night. That's 1.30 on the U.S. East Coast and... Um, no, 2.30 on the East Coast and 12.30 in the Central Time Zone. 1.30 in the Central Time Zone. Sorry about that. 2.30 on the East, 1.30 in the Central Time Zone. We'd love to have you join us for a prayer time Wednesday night. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I pray that you might bless us as we heed your word, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Help us to, as we go through these days, Lord, these marvelous days when things are so clean that we'd see that's your handiwork. Lord, I pray that as we do that, we'd come back and we'd be attentive to your word, spending time in your word, treasuring it like gold and like silver and like honey. And then, Lord, that wouldn't be all we do, but we'd take your word and apply it to our lives. And we daily ask you, Lord, to to cleanse us and let us walk in the light of, of your word. Um, and with that, Lord, I, my prayer is that each one of us would come through this crisis drawn closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.